what would spiritually healthy look like? Let me throw a couple of things out there just to get you something to think about. Don't want to give you, you know, a, a mandated legalistic kind of list, but let's just talk about what spiritual health might look like. Do you have personally a desire to communicate and to know God? Do you have a desire inside of you to be in his word, to read his word, to know more of his word, to search his word, to hide, the scripture would say, his word in your heart. Do you have some kind of system, some kind of method, some kind of draw in some kind of way where you cry out to God on a regular basis and you sense his presence close to you, where he reaches and he touches you in a specific way, where he lets you know he loves you and he hears you and he cares for you. Are you then active in obedience to the will of God? And that's a pretty simple one. All we got to do right there is say this. When was the last time you know God told you to do something and you obeyed it? That's a sign of spiritual health. You say, well, all those, again, pretty personal questions, right? If we're going to see our nation reach reformation, restoration in some kind of way, if we're going to see any kind of moral change in our nation, it's going to come from God's people. Living as God's people. What does a spiritual shepherd, a pastor, do in your life? One, he should care for himself. Two, he should guide you to be spiritually healthy. Now, three then, we want to move back over. If you will, turn with me. Just going to hop a couple of places, uh, a couple of, couple of uh, places here in the New Testament. Turn back with me to Ephesians, all right? It's important that you see Ephesians because I know Ephesians is uh, a, a passage of Scripture that Paul includes here for us. He's writing to the church in Ephesus, of course. Ephesians chapter 4, if you would turn there with me, I'd appreciate that. Ephesians chapter 4, what does a spiritual shepherd do? Here's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. All right, verse 11, and I'm going to read 11 through 14. If you'd follow along with me. Ephesians chapter 4, we're looking for the answer to this question, what is a spiritual leader supposed to do in my life, in my church? Verse 11, it says, and Christ, being the he, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. I think he's naming specific titles of men and women who have specific callings. Verse 12, why did he call these people? What does he do with these people? Verse 12, a key verse for us, to, for the purpose of, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ how long? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. That means we all become unified with one mission, one purpose, one goal, Jesus Christ. And it says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God to, and I love this word, mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Now Paul, get ready for it, gets a little wordy there, doesn't he? Here's what he says happens. 
He said, your spiritual shepherds, the people that God has called to the specific offices to lead you spiritually, one, care for themselves, two, guide you to be, help, have, uh, guide you to be healthy, but then three, verse 12 says that your spiritual shepherd is to equip you for the work of the ministry because you will not be mature spiritually until you're active. It's important that you would understand this and realize this for us, is that the biblical teaching for us is this. I don't want to just know Christ, but Paul says, I long to know Christ. And as we are saved, we are saved for the purpose of knowing Him fully and therefore becoming more like Him. How do we know when we're becoming more like Him? Well, one, if I'm caring for myself, and two, I'm guiding you to be cared for spiritually, which means that maybe I'm encouraging you, and maybe I'm saying a word to you. Maybe you're getting a card from me, for those of you who remember what cards are. Maybe you're getting a text from me, maybe a visit from me sometimes. That's spiritual nourishment. But understand, three, what Paul includes in Ephesians is this. He tells us, you won't reach maturity until you become more like Christ and you won't become more like Christ until you get active in the work of what Christ does. You say, well, if I just sit and listen, am I growing spiritually? And Paul would say, no. No, you are absorbing, and that's good to absorb. But the reason, church, that we are saved is so that we would absorb what the gospel teaches us, the knowledge of the Son of God. That's good stuff for us, how Christ died on the cross for us. But now here's the news. You have a place in this church. You have a place in the activity in the body of Christ. And that's what these shoeboxes would represent for us today. It's a very small thing, perhaps, that you did. But you were a part of the great work of the kingdom of God. And it is important that we would see we don't want to be a church that dies sitting and watching. You see, the danger with you watching only is that you have the temptation of becoming a spectator. And spectators quickly become critics. Go home. Turn on the football game. And listen for the first person who is a better quarterback than the one on TV. It's our nature. It's our culture. We say, let me sit and watch you do the work. And then I can criticize the work that you do and how you do the work. And I would say, that's not healthy spiritual maturity. Instead, what Paul calls us to do on behalf of Christ is this. We see what we're supposed to do, and we're encouraged to join Christ in the work. That's spiritual nourishment. But that encouragement moves to this point where we say things like this. When was the last time you shared your faith with another person? You see, our excuses there reveal that we're not yet spiritually mature like we need to be. When was the last time 
that you sacrificed of yourself, your time, your finances, but you intentionally took an action so that you would go and you would be like Jesus and give yourself for someone else. This is a difficult thing for us to do because we're sinners and we don't want to. So what Paul says is this. He sends people into our lives and those people are responsible not for catering to our every need and being available when we snap our fingers. But those people are supposed to care for us spiritually and move us from spiritual apathy through the Word of God. Now, that's three, all right? Halfway there. Walk with the Lord. That's what the spiritual leader is supposed to do. Encourage you, guide you to walk with the Lord. Three, equip you to serve. Turn back with me then. We'll go to two places here. Let's go to 1 Timothy, all right? 1 Timothy. Which way is 1 Timothy? 1 Timothy is going to be back towards Revelation. 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, all right? And we read 1 Timothy chapter 3 a lot because here's the context of what's happening in 1 Timothy. Paul has sent Timothy to Ephesus, and he's saying here, start a church. Get a church going. So here's what he says, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. We usually read this around deacon nomination time, so it's great to read this in November, all right? 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes, the saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires, that means they have a passion burning inside of them, to the office, that's a specific set structure God's given to his church, of overseer. An overseer is the biblical word for someone who spiritually oversees. We would call that a pastor. So if anyone has this passion burning inside of them to serve the the design that God has within the church to oversee people spiritually, he desires a noble task. It's a good thing. It's a God work is what that is. That's a work that could change a people. That's a work that could change a nation morally, spiritually. So he says, verse 2, he begins to describe them, I think, with characteristics. He says, therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. All right? I won't take time to to dissect each of these. Must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, which means welcoming of outsiders, able to teach, we would say specifically has the skill set given to them by God to proclaim the word of God. Verse 3, not a drunkard. That's someone who is not addicted to anything. Not addicted to anything. You say, well, well, that means I can drink something. No, no, no. That means your spiritual shepherd doesn't need to have addictions because if he has addictions, he won't address your addictions. See how that works? is not violent but gentle not quarrelsome uh oh not a lover of money all right doesn't mean that he doesn't need money and doesn't have money it means that he's not controlled by the love of money money's not a god in his life he must manage his own household well with all dignity keeping his children submissive i don't know what translation you're reading but i hope it's a better one than this one because that sounds like your fourth task for the pastor is this one care for himself, two, guide you spiritually, three, push you, move you to get out there and actually do it, and then four, his, his main responsibility, one of the top six is this, he's supposed to care for his family. Why? Hmm. Why? 
Verse 5, For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? So as you folks, maybe one day, I don't know, near future, but one day in the future you're looking for a pastor. The biblical mandate for you is this. Look beyond his ability to public speak and look into his family and his children and his relationship with his wife. Why? Because in our culture, where we're getting hit hard with Christianity and people are turning away from Christianity, it's not because we don't have spiritual leaders who are shiny and pretty on the stage. It's not because we don't have spiritual leaders who stand up and deliver a really concise 20-minute, yes, I know it's out there, speech. I know that's not where we're getting tagged with Christianity. We're getting tagged with Christianity when these spiritual leaders who take the stage among our nation are having sexual affairs because they're not managing their marital relationship and their relationship with their children well. So the Scripture says this, that your spiritual shepherd needs to be able to spiritually shepherd his home. And if he can't spiritually shepherd his home, then he can't stand before you and say, Men of God, your number one responsibility is not to make money. But your number one responsibility is to provide Jesus Christ as the daily visual example for your spouse and for your children. You see, a spiritual shepherd who doesn't do that can't do that in your life. Now, he goes on. Got to read it, right? Verse 6, he must not be a recent convert or may be, become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into the snare of the devil. So let's look at that one for just a second. So responsibility number five, one, care for himself. Two, care for you. Three, move you to be in service Four, care for his family. Five, he needs to have a good reputation in the community. Because if he's not doing one and he's not doing four, you might not talk about it because y'all are so nice and spiritual, but them out there, they'll rip him up. And the thing that we have to realize is this, when our spiritual leadership, when our staff members, when even I would go as far as to say our deacons have a disgraceful image in the community, so does Jesus. Say, oh, no, they don't really associate them with Jesus. When lost people see people who are leaders in the church act like heathen, they are dissuaded, turned away from Jesus. How serious is that? How does a nation get to a position where they have no real interest in Jesus Christ. How does that happen? We have leaders who act like the world. And the world says, if you're no different than me, you've got nothing that you can help me with. You've got no power in my life. Folks, the way that we turn our nation to God is through spiritual leadership. 
is through taking seriously. In Malachi's day, the priests, the spiritual leaders, they're saying, it don't matter what you bring. It doesn't matter what you are. It doesn't matter your attitude about it in any kind of way. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care. God's not to be, not, he's not, not one that has standards. God has standards. God has standards. And now you're going to say, well, you know, <clears throat> well, I, I struggle with that because, uh, because, I mean, we're all sinners. Yes, and that's why there's grace. That's why there's grace. Do you get that? Is that we come before God saying, you deserve honor. You deserve honor. And I'm not one that's very honorable. I'm not one that really knows how to do honor well. But God, I bring to you who I am with the best of my ability. God, let me honor you. Our spiritual shepherds need a reputation outside the church as being people who walk with God, have families who walk with God, and have a heart to serve and honor God. Now, last one here is this, all right? Last one is this. Turn over with me just a couple of pages. 2 Timothy, all right? I'm cutting out some notes here, but it's all right. 2 Timothy. That's not right. Hold on a second. Wrong reference. 1 Timothy, excuse me. 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 5. I'm going to do some writing. 1 Timothy chapter 5. All right? Sorry about that. 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5. All right? Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, Let the elders, that's the spiritual leaders, those who have held this office, called to this office, aspired to this office of being a spiritual leader in the church, let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. So now, here's where we tie it up. Six responsibility of a spiritual shepherd is this. We said one, he needs to care for himself. How's he going to do that? He's going to do that by the standard that is mandated by the Word of God. Personally, your spiritual shepherds should live by the Word of God. And that's why I comfortably say to you what I'm going to say to you in just a moment. Your spiritual shepherd needs help in living for Jesus. He has the Word of God, so that's not your opinion. Well, you know, I really... I don't really like what you had on today, and my spiritual opinion is worthless in that situation because of this. What we would say is the Word of God speaks to how a man is supposed to love God. Your spiritual shepherd is supposed to guide you in how to walk spiritually with God using a tool. It's the Word of God. And so he's supposed to bring to you the word of God and say to you from the word of God, by the authority of God, this is what God wants. It should never be from this stage any kind of instruction other than thus saith the Lord. It should never be anything else. Three, the word of God tells you that every believer, every believer has the Spirit of God living inside of them. And as every believer has a spiritual God inside of them, I don't care. Listen, if they're in a wheelchair and they have the Spirit of God living inside of them, that's a believer with the Spirit of God living inside of them. And that believer has been given spiritual giftedness by God through His Spirit to serve in His church. 
well, I've got handicaps, and so I can't share in God's church. Is not true. No. No, we welcome those who have the Spirit of God living inside because we understand you have a gift. So well, I've got a background too, Brother Casey. My background keeps me from serving in the church. No, your past reputation keeps you from serving in the church. Your background is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. And so now what we have to do is you embrace what Jesus has said about you instead of what others remember about you. And that's tough. I don't mean to make light of that. But we understand that the Word of God gives you the ability, the empowerment to be equipped to lead. How does a pastor lead his family? He does so by the Word of God. He does so by the instruction of God. How does he love his wife? He does so as Christ loved the church in Ephesians 5. How does he do so with his kids? Fathers, don't exasperate your children as Ephesians 6, 1. So the Word of God overcomes every opinion, every thought, every discipline. All of it is encompassed by this is what a man of God is supposed to do. Here's the instruction. How does a man of God, a spiritual leader, maintain a relationship, a reputation in the community? He does not need to have a reputation for anything else other than primarily this. That man knows the Word of God, lives by the Word of God. And so that sounds like a lot of pressure. That sounds like a lot of pressure. Responsibility number six is this. Your spiritual shepherd is supposed to proclaim the Word of God. Proclaim does not mean speech. See, in college I had speech class, and I'm not proud of how I did it, but I passed. I did. And I did some speeches on some stuff that were not memorable. And I can tell you how I know I don't remember them. The ones that I made. Right? So now we're getting beyond this responsibility to speak publicly. No. No. Your spiritual shepherd's responsibility is to open up the Bible. The easy parts as well as the difficult parts. And he is to present that to you as it is presented by the Holy Spirit of God. And then as he proclaims the word of God, we understand that that and that alone brings reformation and restoration. First to a people of God, then to a nation. Now, what can you do? How can you be in part? There's six things uh, that I would hit with you. And I'm going to do this in about three minutes. You ready? All right. How can you be a part of transforming a nation, spiritually. Well, you're going to need to invest in your spiritual shepherds, whoever they might be, whenever they might be. So take this as, you know, self-serving. Take this as instruction for now or instruction for the future, or if you're visiting with us, instruction that you can take home with you. Here's six ways. One, support an accountability plan for your spiritual shepherds. Can I say to you, one of my passions and from biblical teaching, one of the ways that we have stumbled as the church is that we don't want to get involved in anybody's personal life too much. I hear that, and at the same time, there's a great deal of caution with that, amen? Great deal of caution with that. 
But I would say to you, try to support that thinking with Scripture. What has to happen in your spiritual shepherd's life is there needs to be not everyone, but someone who is asking him some questions that would make all of us feel uncomfortable. Pastor, what have you been looking at lately? Does it honor God? Pastor, are there any relationships with the opposite sex that you've engaged in recently that are disgraceful or potentially dangerous? You say, I don't want to be a part of that. That sounds like people getting in other people's business. Listen, I would rather you be a part and support a plan to head sin off in my life before it grows. than for you to wait until I stumble and fall and criticize me. We're talking like family here, so visitors, y'all have to forgive us for a second. But for you to wait until your spiritual shepherd falls into temptation and then jump on Facebook to turn against him is unchristian. And they're recording this. So you can get this tape, you can play this back. I'm fine with it. It's unchristian. But what we want to begin to do here with grace and intentionality, we want to begin at Friendship Baptist Church to make sure that any man who aspires to the office of spiritually overseeing us has some kind of safeguards built in where at least we put ourselves in an environment where occasionally we ask a question. How are you doing spiritually? How's your marriage? How's your parenting? How's your evangelism? How's your walk with Christ? Here's what happens. If you'll do that, your spiritual shepherd will not be perfect. But he will be protected. He will be protected. And so I've never heard a sermon like this before. I'm not trying to be unique. I'm trying to bring you the word of God to say to you this. It is your responsibility, I believe, church, to support your spiritual shepherd being spiritually healthy. And you benefit from that. Now, first one of y'all that moses up to me and starts asking some personal questions, let me tell you how that's going to go. Without relationship, accountability is awkward. Amen? You get that? Nowhere in Scripture does it say that you need to go home and get on that social media and say, hey, y'all tell me if y'all see any sin in my life, and then just read the comments. No. No. But I believe that your spiritual shepherd today and forever days to come needs to be surrounded by men who love Jesus and men who walk with Jesus and men who have been given a specific agreed-upon guide to how they can encourage and support the pastor spiritually. That's what we want to do. That's going to be awkward at times for some of you, and that's why we're talking to you about it now. Soon, we're going to have the second. We did one a couple of months ago, but we said that we want to do two staff evaluations a year. And that puts our deacons in the environment where they can sit down with each staff member, me first, and they can say, hey, let me ask you a question. Spiritually, what's going on with you? Spiritually, where are you? 
Spiritually, is there anything that you need to be aware of? Anything that you need to confess? Anything that you need support in? So I invite you, church, we want to build a church that impacts the nations. Malachi says that because they had dishonored God, God had cursed their sacrifices, cursed their offerings. No, 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 not us. No, 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 no. We want to come before God and we want to say, God, we want to join you in this plan to make your name great among the nations. Not defiled within Ekru, great among the nations. So we want to formulate here an accountability plan for our spiritual shepherds so that they can be good spiritual shepherds. Two, we want to pray for our pastor. And I invite that, I implore that from you, that you don't throw up occasional prayers for me. But if you want to do that every day, you want to pray for me, you want to pray for my wife, you want to pray for our marriage, you want to pray for my daughter, you want to pray that she's 13, about to become 14. You want to pray for us, that we're going to have a 14-year-old daughter. You want to pray for all the boys in the world. You want to pray for anything like that. We welcome that. We welcome that. You pray for me and my relationship with the staff. You pray for me and my relationship with the deacons. You pray for me and my relationship with you. You pray for me and my leadership for you spiritually. You pray for me as I study God's word. You pray for me as I proclaim God's word. Other than, Lord, I wish he'd hurry up. We implore that. We invite that. And here's why. I need it. And as I need that, I need that with this understanding. I want you to be guided spiritually. I want you to be equipped spiritually. I want you to see an example of Jesus Christ through me and through my home that you're not ashamed of, that you don't have to deny in public. Three, you can follow your pastor. Hebrews 13, 17 says that when he provides leadership and it's a leadership in line with the word of God, you could get on board with it. And you say, I might not understand it all. Then you can ask questions. I might not agree with it all, then you can bring scripture and we can talk about that. But you follow your pastor. Four, you support your pastor. And you say, hey, how can we help our pastor? Because if our pastor is helped, our church is helped. If our church is helped, then our God is honored. And if our God is honored, then he's going to be honored here first in the community. And then the community is going to praise Jesus. And then pretty soon that's going to spread rampant among the nation. Five. You can share with your pastor about your spiritual growth. You can share with your pastor about your spiritual growth. Last week, it was wonderful for me. Can I tell you? Wonderful for me for a dad to call up and say, hey, I just led my son in the sinner's prayer. That's wonderful for me. Hey, that makes me want to preach longer. Six, and we'll close with this. You can protect your pastor's reputation. And what I would say to you is, your pastor's not perfect. He doesn't always communicate abundantly clearly everything that's going on in a way that everybody likes. He doesn't always do everything that everybody likes. But I can say to you this, if you help tear down his reputation, you help tear down the reputation of Christ. I know that's a rough comparison, but think about it. If you help tear down your pastor, then you help tear down his spiritual leadership. And if you help tear down his spiritual leadership, then you help tear down the influence that he would have on others. So what we would say is this. One, support your pastor having an accountability system. Two, 
pray for your pastor. See how that works? But we ask you to join with us in seeing God do something unique here. I shared this with your deacons recently, and we're going to pray. Praise man, y'all get ready to come up. You ready? You can look at Southern Baptist statistics, which I try to stay away from usually. But I will say this. We've seen eight people come to the Lord in the past year at this church and say, well, that's not very good. Southern Baptist, statistically speaking, revival has broken out among you, and you just don't recognize it yet. We have children now, currently, asking questions of their parents in the homes about what does it mean to be saved. We've got teenagers who are wrestling with career calls. Where do I go? And how do I go for Jesus? We've got adults who are wrestling with things and they are growing through God's Word. They are in groups where they are studying God's Word and finding connection spiritually. God is doing something here at Friendship. And can I say to you, from this being probably my seventh or eighth church I've been around, God's up to something unique here. I'd like to invite you to join with Him. It's a group of imperfect people who will get on your nerves. And the only good thing about them, really, about any of us, really, is Jesus Christ has shown us grace and mercy and continues to lead us to his completion of his plan. Would you pray with me? Our Father in heaven, as we come to you today, we thank you so much that you've brought us together. Lord, we know we have uh, church members here, family members, and we thank you that you've brought us Lord, to this point together. We recall your goodness in years past. We recall your faithfulness through church members, through Sunday school group members, people who've loved us and cared for us because we're part of the family. Thank you for providing that in our lives. Lord, thank you so much. We have visitors here today, and they're not part of our family. We welcome them, God. We welcome them. We say, don't let them miss out on an opportunity to be challenged spiritually, to be involved spiritually, to, to join with your work so that your name would be made great among the nations. Lord, today as we come, we need your help. And we recognize that the things that we've reviewed today are specifically for spiritual shepherd. But Lord, we have men here today. And Lord, they're wrestling for the strength to be Christ to their bride. They're wrestling for the, the ability, the, the courage, God, to be Christ to their children. And I want to lift up our men to you, God, and just say to you, thank you that you use them, their willingness, God. You can use them. Lord, draw them to your word. Draw them to your word now, God. Draw them to a place of repentance, if that need be. God, draw them to this place where they can experience Spiritual maturity, spiritual health. Lord, we've got many here today. They're carrying around their past. Lord, we pray that they would claim your word. Your word says, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, it's not us, but it's you who are faithful. You prove faithful to forgiveness of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You cleanse us. 
Lord, I pray that Friendship Baptist Church would be a place where sinners are welcomed. A place where the nations are drawn to you. The nations are impacted. Because not of who we are. Not because of who our pastor is. Not because of our buildings or the number of vans we have. But God, because your name is great. You deserve all honor. And Lord, here now as we prepare to sing. We pray that we would sing from our hearts, Lord, that this would be a joyous celebration in our lives. You're at work among us, God. You've not forsaken us. You've not forgotten us. The book of Malachi is written at a point, God, where we would see they're on the verge, 90 years of not seeing you really do anything, and then they're going to wait some 400 years before a virgin comes who is pregnant with the Son of God. The one who comes to save us and deserves our heart's devotion and our rejoicing. Lord, help us to worship you. Make your name great. In our hearts, our families, and our nation. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.